Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. But you will be anxious, not in a bad way, okay? Because we don't want to be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. You don't want to be, you know, you, you will be eager, is a better word there, to do the will of God. So this transformation happens. Transformation in Christianity is essential to the deal. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Change has to happen. Has to happen. Change will happen. Okay? Surrender's real. The change will happen. Are you ready for change? Do you feel stuck in your old ways and long for something that's greater than yourself? Well, in today's message, Pastor James talks about how change is possible through Christ. He's the catalyst for transformation, and His love knows no bounds. When we surrender our lives to Him, we're renewed, restored, and made whole. Don't let fear or resistance hold you back any longer. Take that leap of faith and watch as God works miracles in your life. Trust in Him. Now here's Pastor James in the book of 1 Peter chapter 4 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. going to be in the book of first Peter when we go through books like this kind of gives us a good you know big picture kind of a thing about you know concerning the grace of God and his love and redemption and all that great stuff which we've been learning a lot through first Peter at least I hope we have if you haven't been then that's cool I have been learning a whole lot through it and it's one of those books where I'm like I don't think I'll come back to this one for a while there's a little too much suffering in this book for me for my liking but guess what today more suffering Look, there's things we need to realize as Christ followers, as Christians, and the aspect of suffering is one of those things. I've learned a lot being married, okay? Coming up to 22 years in March, okay? I have learned a whole lot, and some of the things that I learned in being married is there are TV channels that I never knew existed. I never knew they existed. I never knew they were a thing, because in my world, there was only a few And they were primarily ESPN. That was like it for me. Just ESPN all day, every day, okay? And then I meet my wife, and, you know, we we go through this whole process, this engagement process, and through hanging out with her family and all this stuff. They opened my eyes to two TV channels called HGTV, which was I didn't know that was a thing. Home and Garden Television. I'm like, why would anybody want to watch that, Okay. Apparently, it's more than just that. That's fine. Come to, well, there's shows I really like on that channel right now. The other one, and which is really going to tie into this text, is this TV channel. I don't know how good it is today, so please don't write me any letters. TLC. I don't even know what it stands for, honestly. It could be love. I don't know. It always has a heart thing. But she, she would always watch this one specific show on TLC. And look, I'm all for a transformation story. I love transformation stories, but you know, a whole channel dedicated to it just is overkill in my mind. But she she loved this one show called What Not to Wear. All right, I don't know if you're familiar. Some of you are like, Stacey and Clinton, those are my heroes. That was the host name. They would take these individuals who uh, would dress a certain way. And oftentimes these individuals were stuck in the past. 
okay? Stuck in the past. And they take them through this whole transformation process, all right, where they uh, have them try on their old wardrobes and all that good stuff and let them know, like, you can't do that. Apparently, that's a crime. You, are, you shouldn't be putting those things together or maybe wear more uh, or some of the stories. But they walk them through this whole process and then try to teach them how to shop for themselves. And at the end of the deal, if the person committed to it, they were given a credit card of like $5,000, to go on a shopping spree in New York City, which is like incredible, right? It never failed. You always encountered individuals who were just so caught up in holding on to the past. They could not let go. They could not let go of these old garments. They were, part of the, the show was like, there was a literal trash can in the middle of a room and you'd have to take your old garments, your old clothes, and throw those into the trash to forever be done with them. And it was always fascinating to me to see just how much these individuals would cling to this former identity, okay? And, and for them, there was, <clears throat> there was safety in that wardrobe, right? Because maybe it has, there's something happened in their past that, you know, like a trauma or something like that, and so forever they're going to dress this way because that's like comfort for them, and they can't let it go. They just can't move past it. They can't pursue the healing in one sense. And in the Christian world, and what we're going to see with just six little verses today, in the church, and unfortunately, I think in the church in the West, we are holding on to those old garments too tightly. Too tightly. And you can't do that. So this is the day where you'll learn what not to wear by James Grizzle. We're going to bring in a trash can, and uh, no, we're not going to do that. Peter has to address this with this group of individuals that he has written this letter to that are experiencing suffering, okay? It's not like everything in their life is good. Everything in their life is really difficult, really difficult. And the tendency in the difficult phases or seasons of life is for us to go back to comfort, what we thought was comfort. When stress levels are high, we oftentimes, our flesh wants to go back to like, I need to find something that like brought me like some sort of, you know, dopamine release or, or just brought that comfort within me. And so we'll, we'll run back to those, those past things, thinking, well, that's shelter, that's comfort. When the whole, the whole while, the Lord, through the book of Psalms, has let us know He is our shelter. He is our source of comfort. In fact, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. And He says, if you receive Christ as your Savior, then it's the Holy Spirit who takes up residency in your heart. The great comforter lives inside of you. So we don't, have, we, don't, we don't need to go to the past things to find comfort because all that we need is found in the Holy Spirit who resides in us. But Peter has to address this to this group of believers because the temptation for any of us is always to go back, to go back. So we, we went through chapter three and we looked at you know, how, how Christ is, he, he's our example. And, and he, you know, Peter's talking to these, this group of people who are experiencing suffering. He's like, look, if you're going to suffer, suffer for doing good. And by the way, let's look at Jesus. He was the best, the goodest. That's not a word. I know. 
but he, no, there's none better than Jesus, none more righteous, none more pure. I mean, he did nothing wrong, and he suffered. They killed him. But he's our example. And, and so Peter closes out chapter 3 with the reminder for us that, man, Jesus was victorious on the cross, and he descended down, and he proclaimed victory over these spirits, what we believe is those spirits that are chained up. But part with, partly within that, as we're going to see in, in just a few minutes, that there was also like a, a message of judgment to them, and that you don't have any, you don't have any hold of these pe- my people anymore. We're free. But then also to the other ones, because if we're talking about Hades, and you got Abraham's bosom, and there's a separation of a gulf and, you know, bad guys over here and locked away or whatever. And then, you know, these faithful saints just waiting for the Messiah to come and to be captivity, to be set free kind of a deal, Ephesians. The, the message of the gospel, the good news proclamation is maybe announced to those guys. The point of all that is this, Jesus won. And in him, we have victory. In him, we have victory. In him, we have freedom. We don't have to go back to the past. Our past no longer defines us. Whatever it was in the past for you, it no longer has a hold on you. It no longer defines who you are. So don't run back to it. It's time for us to put those old garments in the trash can where they belong and be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Look at what he's, verse 1 of chapter 4. He says, so then, or therefore, that's that connecting word for us, the bridge from chapter 3 into chapter 4. Therefore, or in light of this truth of Jesus having power and dominion over everything, everyone, since Christ suffered physical pain, you, believers, must arm yourselves with the same attitude he had, the same mindset that Christ had. Suffering, it's not fair, really. I know it doesn't feel fair. I get that. I understand the argument. But let's, when we consider Jesus, does that argument hold any weight? It doesn't. It doesn't. And I know suffering is not enjoyable. Nobody prays for suffering. If you do, you're on another level than anybody else I know, okay? Like you're functioning at a whole different spiritual level, I guess. But I never pray for suffering. I never do, right? I actually pray against it. I'm like, Lord, I know it's good for me, but I don't want it. So please don't let it in my life. And then he's like, well, I'm going to let it in your life. Because you got all things to be done. But considering Christ, we need to be of the same attitude, the same mindset that he had. It says, be ready to suffer. Arm yourself. That, that term, arm yourself, it's a military term. It's a military term. And it says exactly, I mean, it means exactly what it says right there. You, you arm yourself. You prepare yourself for this thing. The, the imagery that Peter is using here is that of a soldier, just like Paul would in, in Ephesians chapter 6. You put on the full armor of God. You prepare yourself for the battle. And part of the battle is suffering. There's no avoiding it, people. I don't know what, what maybe gospel you've been preached in your church experience in America, but a lot of it has been watered down and it's worthless. It's just fluff. Okay. It's empty calories is what it is. There's a lot of anemic believers in the church today because they've been fed this 
soft pedal kind of deal of like, oh, no, 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 Jesus is going to take care of, yeah, he takes care of your needs, amen to that. But that does not mean that he, he doesn't allow suffering in your life. In fact, he, he allows it in our lives. He told his disciples, listen, they came after me, they're going to come after you. So get ready for it. Be prepared for it. Don't run away from it. In fact, he's telling us in one sense, take it head on. Take it head on. There's a story in the, New, or the Old Testament concerning a young man named David, teenager at the time. We're doing a men's Bible study, and we're kind of looking at the life of David right now. And he faced a giant whose name was Goliath. When all the other warriors and soldiers in Israel's battle or Israel's army, including Saul himself, were hiding, David, a young man, a man after God's own heart, faced it and went head on with Goliath. Head on. He said, and, you know, he, he had no, no, no lack of confidence at all, no lack of faith, for sure, in, in God's ability to bring victory in and through him to bring down this giant. And it, it's kind of that same, that same attitude, that same mindset, where it's like suffering's a part of the equation. When you said yes to Jesus, you also said yes to suffering. And I'm sorry if somebody told you otherwise, but they lied to you. They lied to you. There's a price to pay in following Jesus. And like Jacqueline read in that scripture verse, there's a cross to be carried. And the cross always means death. Always. Always. Suffering's a part of the deal. It's a part of the deal. And, and I, I, I wish that that was communicated more. And, and we, don't, we don't glory in those sufferings or anything like that. We, we glory in, in Christ's ability to, ability to get us through suffering and to cause growth from suffering. But we need more of this in the church today as we are what we believe living in the last days. Because there will be a great falling away. There has been a great falling away within churches. There, continue, there will continue to be a great falling away within churches because the temperature will be turned up on the church. Suffering will be a reality for Western Christians. And does that change your relationship with Jesus? Are you set? Are you resolved in your commitment to following Christ? I learned this through one of my mentors and one of my heroes, preacher, Britt Merrick, out there in Carpinteria, California. And when he was going through the ordeal, you've heard me talk about this many times, but when his nine-year-old daughter, Daisy Love, was battling cancer and ultimately ended up losing her life to cancer, he shared this story when he was in the hospital and his baby girl is dying. And he had this, and he, he, he just was very real, very transparent. And, and he shared with the congregation, he says, in that moment, he's like, I called out to God. And I told God this, if you take my daughter, nothing changes between me and you. Nothing changes. It's that resolve that we need to have. If the suffering, when the suffering comes, are you resolute in your commitment to follow Jesus? This is what Peter is communicating to these believers because they were, they were facing suffering. They were facing this. They were losing family members because of their, their allegiance with Christ. 
They were losing their jobs, their businesses. They were losing their homes because they simply called themselves and identified as, I am a Christ follower. And they were losing everything because of that. And Peter's encouraging them, arm yourself with that same attitude that Jesus had. Same attitude that he had. And we know the ultimate display of that was Jesus before Pilate, before he's crucified. And all these accusations are being hurled at Jesus. And he stood there, just silent. He didn't have to say anything. He didn't need to defend himself. He knew that stuff was coming. In fact, the only thing he really did say to Pilate was, he just confirmed, he's like, oh yeah, I am. I am the king of the Jews. Yeah, I am who I say I am. If I wanted to, I could call down angels. No big deal. But this is what his will was to do the will of God in his life. We saw that in the Garden of Gethsemane. Peter's encouraging these followers. He's encouraging us today, arm yourselves with the same mindset that Christ had. Philippians, the book of Philippians talks about this, you know, that mindset that Christ had. It's a mindset of humility. It's a mindset of like just full commitment of like, Lord, I'm here to do your will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. We know that there are benefits through in suffering. Anybody is ever, is still January, so maybe you still are honoring your commitment to working out. Um, I don't know. It's been long enough to where that's probably been, you know, you probably abandoned that plan already this year, and that's okay. There's always next year, guys. There's always next year. It's fine. If you've ever played sports or had to work out, there's an element of suffering that comes along with that. There's a breaking down, a constant breaking down that's a part of it. And it's not comfortable, but it's beneficial. It's beneficial. If you want to grow stronger, if you want to gain endurance, if you want to, you know, to, to, to finish well, so to speak, you, there has to be that element of suffering. It's necessary. For us in our Christian walk with Jesus, the suffering is necessary because it can produce the endurance we need to finish well. It also is a purifying thing, which we'll see. Let's continue on in this this text here. It says, for if you have suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. What? Finished with sin. It doesn't mean you will never sin again, but you have been, you've broken free from the, in Christ, there is death, resurrection, has busted open those locks for you. Okay? He's, He's done that work for you. When you suffer for Christ, it will change you, though. Because we all wrestle with sin, if we're honest. Like, there's, there's temptation, and we will deal with temptation from now until the day he either raptures us, whenever that happens, or we die. But it doesn't have any control over us anymore. And there is this interesting element that happens when physical suffering comes into the equation you're like, I don't, I don't want any of that anymore. So maybe what once was a stronghold in your life, maybe a little suffering is good for you to like knock that of, like out of you. Like, no, because they're suffering because of their allegiance to Christ. And, they're, and we'll see in a second, they're turning away from those certain sins. And Peter, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is letting us know, letting them know, If you've suffered physically for Christ, you have finished with sin. It will do radical things for you in your walk with Jesus. So again, 
Not saying pray for suffering, but maybe welcome it into your life when it happens. Because maybe, just maybe, the Holy Spirit's trying to teach you a lesson. Maybe he sees a bigger picture than you and I do. And we're in this moment, we're like, this is not fair. I don't know how many times I prayed that to God. This is not fair. And he's like, James, you don't see what I see. You don't see where I'm, where I'm taking you. You don't see what I'm trying to do in you. This is fair. This is beyond fair. This is necessary, James. This is necessary because I'm dealing with stuff in you. And a little bit of suffering is a good lesson to learn. It just is. But you've, been, you've, you've finished with sin. It's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, it's that, that done with it. it it's, the, it's the garment, so to speak, that you are like, I'm done with this. I'm throwing these clothes away. I don't want to put these on anymore. And you wake up the next morning, you're like, how'd these get on me, right? And you're like, oh, just take them off again. Like, no, this is an active thing. Be done with those things. Verse two, it says, you won't spend the rest of your life chasing your own desires. This is part of that being done with sin. There's a, a mind shift uh, or a mindset that, that shifts. It, it changes. You, you're not chasing down your own desires anymore. We're really good at that. All of us have had plenty of experience within our lives. I don't know where you're at in your, your journey with Jesus, but that at some point in time, there was a period where you did not know Christ. And what you were known for was chasing your own desires. And some of you were really good at that, more accomplished than others. But guess what? We were all doing the same thing, okay? What he's saying is when suffering enters into the equation, you will no longer chase after those things, your fleshly urges, your fleshly desires, those sinful things. But he says this, but you will be anxious, not in a bad way, okay? Because we don't want to be anxious. Don't be anxious for anything. The, you don't want to be, you know, you, you will be eager, is a better word there, to do the will of God. So this transformation happens. Transformation in Christianity is essential to the deal. You receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, change has to happen, has to happen. Change will happen, okay? Surrender's real, the change will happen. Some things are automatic. I don't know about you, but there were some things that I wrestled with pre-Christ, and I got saved, and boom, those things were gone. Those temptations were gone. And some are more stubborn than others. And it's this, that's why they call it sanctification. It's a, it's a lifelong process. It's a lifelong process. I used to pray as, a, as an early Christian, freshly saved, like, God, just take it all away from me. This is a no-brainer. Like, I'm new to this thing, God, and uh, like, it's clear as day to me. Like, if you just removed all the temptations and desires from within me, boom, you got a good one, God. Like, I'm good, man. Like, just do that. And then he's like, dude, you have no idea what you're talking about. You have no clue. And I can say, looking back now, 20 plus years walking to the Lord, I'm like, I had no clue. What I'm learning in my consistency with walking with Jesus is, I'm way more wicked than what I thought I was. It's the word. I mean, I knew when I got saved, like I was a bad dude. Like I knew that. But now I'm like, holy cow. I'm like, it's like this onion thing that's getting peeled back. And I'm like, we're close to being done, right, Lord? He's like, no, we still got more layers. I'm still working on you. I'm like, man, how big is this? How many levels are there? But I think that's part of it. 
If you're at all familiar with the book of Job, then you can easily see how the book of 1 Peter ties into Job's experience of suffering. It doesn't seem fair, does it? You might ask, why aren't the unrighteous the ones that experience suffering and hardship? Why are those that want to follow God with all their hearts the ones that face trials? The truth is, it doesn't make sense to anyone who doesn't know God. But by knowing Him, you're willing to endure hard things, trusting that there's good ahead. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter states, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and always be ready to give a defense to anyone who asks you a reason for the hope that's in you, with meekness and fear. So the next time you have an opportunity to share your testimony, make sure you include the fact that yes, you go through trials, but it's God working in and through you that gives you and others hope for the future. You've been listening to Bread for the Broken as we go through the book of 1 Peter. Bread for the Broken is a ministry out of Calvary Galveston in Galveston, Texas. For those of you in the area, we would love to see you this Sunday. We meet every Sunday at 10 in the morning and every Thursday at 7 in the evening. We like to keep faith simple and uncomplicated. So if you're looking for that laid-back atmosphere, you'll be right at home with us. To find out more, head on over to breadforthebroken.com. We're so glad that you decided to spend your day with us. And we look forward to the next edition with you in the book of 1 Peter, here on Bread for the Broken. Let me paint the picture of you.